Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Punk Rock Barbershop. On the Punk Rock Barbershop, we have black artists share their origin stories, their life journey, their career trajectory, with a special focus on the white artists that have influenced them, how they feel about those influences, and how all of these elements are manifesting in the person they are today. We are going to do another installment of My Wife Thanks You, and on this installment of My Wife Thanks You, I am going to be talking about a movie that I just saw over the weekend, which is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, directed by Mr. Quentin Tarantino. So for those of you that do not know, um, I've had an interesting relationship with uh, old Squire Tarantino. So I'm 40 years old. This recording is taking place in 2019. I was a junior in high school when Pulp Fiction came out. And I was super excited. I remember seeing the trailer. I don't know. I went to go see. I don't even know what I went to go see. But I remember seeing the trailer. Maybe it was Billy Madison. I don't know. Anyways. So I remember being a junior in high school, seeing the trailer for Pulp Fiction and... My mind was totally blown because it, it just looked like a rock concert had been put into a film trailer. That's how I feel about Tarantino's movies is that like just all of the visceral excitement that dudes feel about stuff, whether it's listening to music, getting drunk, getting high, hooking up with women just that's just like you know kicking someone's ass i feel like all of that lives in tarantino movies so seeing the trailer for pulp fiction i was like oh man this looks so awesome and i had known about reservoir dogs because a year before a couple of years before yeah i guess it was like a year before i was hanging out with both of my brothers and we were at a blockbuster video and one of them saw the case for reservoir dogs and then mentioned it to the other brother like hey did you ever see this movie and they were like yeah it's crazy the whole movie takes place in a garage and i remember how does a like, how does someone just have a movie take place in a garage? That was, you know, that was super intriguing to me. So I remember seeing the trailer for Pulp Fiction and just being like, I want to see it. Then I remember flipping through the newspaper. I think it was the Washington Post. And uh, there was a review of Pulp Fiction. And it mentioned that the director of Pulp Fiction had also directed Reservoir Dogs. So I was like, oh, well, the guy that directed a movie that just took place in a garage has made this new movie. So went and saw it, loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, uh, maybe I don't, I, if I only saw it in the theater once, it's not for a lack of trying. Definitely want to see it some more, but I was in high school. I didn't have a job. I didn't have any money. So I uh, didn't, yeah, probably didn't see it that much. As soon as it came out on video, rented it. Um, you know, me and my friends would quote all the lines to each other. I remember like the, you know, that next Monday at school, you know, we were talking about Royale with cheese and big kahuna burgers, all of that. Loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. You know, saw Reservoir Dogs a little bit later, loved it. Got the soundtrack to Reservoir Dogs, got the soundtrack to Pulp Fiction, all about it. Um, you know, 
Jackie Brown, like love Jackie Brown when uh, when it came out. So I was all about it. And it, I wanted to be a, a filmmaker when I went to college. Like I wanted to study film. I wound up studying theater, but I wanted I wanted to study film. Tarantino was the guy. I wanted to be the next Tarantino. Somewhere in the early 2000s, I really started to develop an aversion to Tarantino. Um, you know, I got a little bit older. The use of the N-word, like, over and over again in his films, I was like, mm, yeah, I'm just, like, I'm not feeling this anymore. You know, when I first heard it originally, like, I just, you know, it didn't really, it didn't resonate with me at all. You know, I, yeah, I had no, I had no feelings about it whatsoever. Uh, but then, like, later, I was just like, dude, like, he uses the N-word a lot. And then, you know, I felt like, he, um, you know, he definitely liked to have like, you know, really cool, smooth black dudes in his movies. So whether it's Chris Tucker and Samuel L. Jackson and Jackie Brown, whether it was Ving Rhames and Samuel L. Jackson in Pulp Fiction, whether it was the, you know, the lieutenant in in Reservoir Dogs. Um, yeah, just like cool black dudes, you know, it's a lot, lot you know, lot, lots of smooth talking black dudes. And then I had a, I remember I was living with someone, a friend who had mentioned it um, and then mentioned Gary Oldman's monologue in True Romance. I, I think I'm remembering that correctly. Uh, I've, I've, you know, full disclosure, I've never seen True Romance, so I can't, I can't speak to that film. Uh, but I feel like, you know, there was, uh, from what I've read and from what my if I'm remembering correctly what my friend described, Gary Oldman's character, who's possibly like half black in it, I, I, I feel like he had dreadlocks in the movie. He, uh, he uses the N-word a bunch. So like all of that kind of came together and I was like, yeah, like I'm not, I'm not feeling Tarantino. Just like, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not into this. So when Kill Bill came out, you know, I, I didn't really make a, a big stink of it, but I was just sort of thought to myself, like, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to see it. Uh, then I definitely remember seeing an interview with Quentin Tarantino on one of the late night talk shows, either Conan or Jay Leno. And he was telling this, this like story slash joke. I'm not really sure where he was going with it, but he was talking about, um, uh, having a film screening. And I think he was talking about having a film screening in South Central, LA and that a bunch of bloods and crips were going to be there and how like they were all going to shoot each other. I don't know. It's, it's all, it's all very bizarre. I don't really remember like what the point of it was, but I was watching this. I lived in a apartment with a couple of other people. I was watching this in the living room. Unbeknownst to me, my good friend and roommate at the time was watching the same interview upstairs in his room and he came out of his room I don't know if he was like going to the bathroom or just like going into the living room to, you know, go to the kitchen or something. But he saw that I was watching the same Tarantino interview and and he just looks at me and he goes, fuck Quentin Tarantino. Uh, so, yeah, so that really stuck with me. Um, yeah. So, like I said, so like this is the early 2000s. The Kill Bill movies came out. I was like, yeah, nah, I'm not going to watch him. Uh, I don't. You know, I, I watched Sin City, but, you know, he only directed part of that. Um, yeah, and so I went through a phase where I was, like, anti-Tarantino. I was like, fuck this dude. I'm not supporting anything that he does. Like, nope, 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 nope. You know, 100% not going to watch it. 
when Inglorious Bastards came out, I was like, I don't watch anything that Tarantino has anything to do with. So definitely not watching that. When Django came out, that was that that was a very interesting moment because uh, I remember talking to the same friend who was like, yo, fuck Tarantino about Django. And I think like, you know, he was asking me, um, uh, you know, are you he's like, you know, are you going to watch it? I was like, no fucking way. I am not going to watch Quentin Tarantino do a movie that has anything to do with American chattel slavery. Uh, because my feeling was, it's like, I, you know, I don't want to see a bunch of cool, smooth-talking, jive-talking black people on a plantation, you know, doing some some snarky fucking banter about, like, getting whipped. I was like, no, nah, fuck that nonsense. Um, and I, you know, and I think, you know, he said something, uh, my friend said something to the effect of, like, yeah, you know, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about it, but, like, you know, I think I'm going to check it out. Uh, I honestly don't remember what my feelings were about that when he said that, but I was definitely just like, no, nah, nah, I'm not going to watch it. not going to watch it. Um, and I feel like, you know, I might be the only black person that I know of in my in my circle of friends who didn't watch Django. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't really know of any other black people uh, that like I personally know of um, that, you know, that were not that didn't watch Django. And in fact, um, even a lot of the black people that I knew who really did not have, um, uh, nice opinions of white people or white artists in general, they went and watched Django. Um, so yeah, so I just remember sort of being like, huh, okay. Yeah. Like I, I'm me, Spike Lee and Jesse Williams might be the only might be the only people that aren't aren't down with the with the Django Unchained because uh, yeah I feel like even Dick Gregory liked it um, I think Cat Williams uh, objected to it as well uh, so whatever for whatever that's worth um, and then I remember being in this like sort of weird situation where. Um, when I was first dating my wife, yeah, this is 2012. So when my wife and I were just still dating, um, we got invited to dinner over at her best friend's house. And her best friend is really like a sister. I mean, like their their relationship, it's it's really a, a sisterhood. It it goes beyond friendship. And the her you know like and they were gonna watch Django and I was just like oh man I don't know what to do about this like I can't I can't not go to dinner with my wife's sister and especially because this was sort of like the big dinner where it was um really centered around oh Mike is coming into the fold and he and Naomi really have this strong relationship. So it was very much like a welcoming dinner, like welcome to the family. And I was like, yeah, well, it's it's probably not going to work if I don't go to the dinner. But I really do not want to watch this movie. And I really don't know how to articulate these feelings without um, policing other people's actions. It all kind of air quotes worked out for me because a friend who was living out of the country for a couple of years was in Philadelphia and invited me. And so I was like, oh, well, you know, I got invited to uh, hang out with so-and-so and and, like they're never in the country. So uh, 
I'm going to go hang out with them. Yeah, and um, and the way I'm describing it now, I mean, I used more words when I described it to my wife and her friend. Um, so it didn't really go over well, the way that I explained it. Definitely could have explained it better. But I was looking for a, a reason not to watch that movie. Um, and then over the years, you know, my... Um, my my feelings towards Tarantino, I became more indifferent by around the time that The Hateful Eight came out. I was I had come to the realization of like, I don't really do Tarantino movies. If other people do them, I'm not going to police their viewing habits. Um, you know, I still think he's an amazing filmmaker. Uh, you know, he is the the reason that I went to art school. And I think that Tarantino definitely did usher in the wave of, and the acceptance of of the air quotes independent cinema movement. I really feel like without Tarantino, um, Richard Linklater isn't as popular as he is. I think that without Tarantino, the Duplass brothers aren't as po- aren't as popular as they are. Yeah, so like the Duplass brothers. Noah Baumbach, Joe Swanberg, um, uh, Greta Gerwig, Lynn Shelton. I think, you know, the Sundance Channel, the IFC Channel, all of that, Wes Anderson, I think so much of that can be really connected to the, the, the thing that Tarantino helped birth. You know, I, I could be wrong, and I am almost always wrong about everything that I say. But from my perspective, Tarantino is the singularity that the independent cinema movement bursts out from. Of course, there were people before then that had really paved the way. Spike Lee is definitely one of them. Jim Jarmusch is definitely one of them. Um, my boy Cassavetes is definitely one of them, but I feel like Tarantino really took it to another level and was able to mesh the aesthetic grittiness of the independent movement with the cash of the mainstream movement in a way that Cassavetes and Jarmusch never were really able to do. Um, So, yeah, so so I think that... um, Anyways, so yeah, 2015 rolls around, The Hateful Eight comes out. I was just like, man, all right, you know, I'm indifferent to it. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a movie. I have no strong opinion one way or the other. Um, I did, in the interim, somewhere around like 2013, I did see Inglorious Bastards, mainly because, so like my wife is a pretty big Tarantino fan, Mostly the Kill Bills and Inglorious Bastards. Like she loves Inglorious Bastards, and we had had a fair amount of discussions slash arguments about Quentin Tarantino. Um, you know, I could have expressed things better back then, and I could have received things better back then, just with a multitude of things. So the the Tarantino fight, you know, was just uh, Tarantino was just a conduit to larger issues that I was having in my marriage at the time. But we had a lot of fights about Tarantino. We had a lot of uh, fights about other shows that um, we were watching, shows and movies that we were watching, and you know we were just having that hard time finding out our communication and the the culture that we wanted to live within our house at the time. So as an olive branch, 
I bought her a copy of Inglorious Bastards, I think, for Christmas. And then she, you know, was like, oh, do you want to watch it with me? And so, you know, I I was like, well, you know, I got to pick and choose my battles. It's Inglorious Bastards. You know, it's a, you know, it's a, a, a Jewish people getting revenge on Nazi World War II flicks. I'm like, there ain't going to be no black people in Inglorious Bastards. And I was surprised that there was a black person in it. But, you know, that that character seemed fine with me. So I was like, all right, cool. Uh, yeah, it's all good. Um, you know, Brad Pitt, you know, talking about Nazis. You know, I thought the film was cool. Um, I dug it. Uh, I swear I'll, I'll get to the point of it, of all of this. Uh, so 2019 rolls around and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood comes out and it, yeah I don't um oh yeah so a friend emailed me or sent me a Facebook link about the movie coming out because I had interviewed them for this podcast and you know I shared my feelings on Tarantino and then they they sent the link to me later on Facebook I'm not really sure what the like what their intention was but I was like oh that's interesting Leo doing his thing it's in the 60s and then I saw a couple of trailers for it and I was like oh all right now this looks like a movie I can get behind you know I'm a huge I'm a huge Leo fan and you know I dig Brad Pitt I dig Margot Robbie um you know the just the story of the the late 60s in Hollywood the intersection with the Manson family Sharon Tate Roman Polanski you know just as a as a lover of history that's that, that's a very intriguing time for me and then, you know, I, I was looking at the trailers and I, I was I was looking to see how many black people were in the movie and I didn't see any. So I thought this could be a good sign. You know, I, th I think I can go to this and, you know, I don't really know. I don't see any black people, so I don't think I have to worry about that. And, you know, at this point, you know, if if Tarantino drops a bunch of N-bombs, then uh, I don't know. I've, uh, you know. That at this point in my life, that hearing someone use that word in the context of a movie does not really generate a strong emotional reaction in me. Um, so, so yeah, I was like, all right, well, like, I think I'm actually going to go see this movie. And then a friend reached out and said, uh, oh, like, yeah, you know, do you want to go see Once Upon a Time? You know, we were communicating via text message. So this is a relatively new friend, and this is really the first time that I've hung out with this person, so I wasn't going to do my whole uh, Tarantino spiel with them. But yeah, went and saw the movie, loved it. I thought it was uh, fantastic. It was, you know, it was all the stuff that, I, that I've loved in Tarantino movies, and yeah, it was, it totally worked for me. I would definitely go see it again. Um, it's actually probably a movie that I would buy. So that's that. So I just wanted to share that with you all. Uh, my life as it intersects with uh, powerful words and the films of Quentin Tarantino. So that's all I got. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you all. Uh, feel free to, to get in contact with me to let me know what you think of the content that I'm generating for you all. More than anything, I just want this content to be of some value to the people that are listening. So yeah, share share that info with me. Thank you very much. I hope you find your story and I hope you find your truth.